Okay. Okay, we can get started. Please come in. Seven o'clock. Hey, folks. So I have this is my first one of these on the Zoom uh, open sessions. But I guess uh, if you want to get started, uh, I'll just go off of the the list and who I see on here. Uh, have you attended another one in the past, uh, Tim? I think the other one was face to face. So uh, this is the first Zoom one. Yeah. Oh, how do we get lucky? Yeah, highest level, I think. You know, one thanks for coming. Welcome. I think I think part of the purpose was just um, something less formal than the traditional school committee meeting. Uh, we don't have quorum. It allows allows for a little more conversation. I know some of you signed up through the like the sign up link. My my thought would be, you know, almost just as you can, the order you came into the Zoom might be a great place way to start. <laughs> well, that's so different for everybody. So <laughs> yeah, no, but if you know, I'll go. If you know I'll just start. I'll just go, yeah, I'll start like, you know, on my screen and for people who are here too, like, I guess that they could bring up the subject matter because there's a lot of different subjects here. I think some of them were related. So I think I'd like to keep, uh, I see two people for the public comment. Uh, well, I guess not. No, one was public comment and one was policy and budget. Uh, oh yeah, there was another one for public and comment. So I don't see either one of those folks there. So. All right, um, so I'll just start with Kaylin, I guess, because she's in the top area over there. Hi, am I just saying my name and address? Uh, I guess so, it's recorded, so I guess, yeah. Okay, Kaylin Kasky, <laughs> 5 Delaware Road. Um, I submitted my question, I don't remember exactly how I worded it, just regarding, you know, the recent events with the books. Because um, a lot of, I, the, I don't think the form is public, you know, officially public. So for everyone who's listening, because this is supposed to be a conversation and other people can chime in. It's not like, it's not like calling on people. This is supposed to be an open conversation. So. Oh, so anyway. well, I, it was just a specific question. However, you wanted to you know, handle the questions that were submitted on the Google form just regarding um, the policy and procedure. Go ahead and ask it. Yeah, just go ahead and ask the question about, uh, so that everyone understands, because that's what this is, because uh, other people on here might have some some conversation or opinion about it. Yeah, just, um, just with the oversight of the policy and procedure on how those books were obtained in the first place, I know um, Christine made it very clear, you know, she thought it was very eye-opening for things that, you know, I's needed to be dotted, T's needed to be crossed. Just wanted to see how the school committee would suggest to make sure these policies, specifically the IAJE that was cited, um, would be, I guess, just really overseen to make sure that, like, who's going to enforce these policies to make sure administration isn't... Um, you know that they're they're really following what they're supposed to be doing and obtaining um, any type of literature for school. Are you talking about like a like a curriculum review or a content review process of some kind? That the policy outlines like the idea of what it could be like in the schools, but the execution of that happens in numerous ways. You know, within schools. So, is there a specific part of it? Um. Well. <laughs> I guess I'd have to go back to my notes, but 
So specifically, IAJE was. I'm trying to get your question on, into one block. I can read it uh, if you want. Sure. Yeah. I think, uh, can right. I, and, and I, I'm going to, I think there's two sides what's in there today, and then what might be procured or brought in in the future. And the way I read your question was a little more towards looking forward. Um, there is always, you know, what do you you view? But I, I mean, I'm asking, is that what you were, is that what you were alluding to? Exactly. So the the policy that was cited, IJAE, that was specifically referenced with the reconsideration committee, um, it obviously just wasn't very thorough. You know, the way it was written up. My specific question was that. Um, Materials shall be subjected to a test of literary merit and reality and context using the criteria established. My question was, what was the criteria that was established to make these decisions? Um, I know that there is a draft that specifically lays out these, this criteria that isn't officially published yet. Um, I think that according to Christine, that's something that's gonna come out in the next week or so, hopefully. So my question is moving forward, since policy is a, a very large part of school committee, how my school committee members suggest or recommend that these policies are adhered to. So I guess, you know, I guess what we could say is that, that all the policies today require, you know, the execution of, you know, there's the policy that kind of scaffolds the practice, right? And so, you know, how do we, um, the idea of who would be responsible, again, that goes down the food chain, right? It starts with the school committee, goes down to the superintendent, and then all the way down. Um, it's, it's about putting things into practice, right? Uh, you know, the idea of content, you know, I don't think any content today is ordered willy-nilly. So adding a policy, what would you like to see in a policy uh, as somebody entrusting you know, the, you know, school committee acts a policy, but as school committee members, uh, you know, we're not walking into the school uh, and questioning teachers and department heads, right? That's not our role. So right. what would you like the, what would you think, how would the, what, in a very, not like a, in depth, but what kind of feature uh, of the process do you think is, is missing or was missing out of the, that the policy could cover, I guess, is that question. Well, according to the policy write-up that was, mm -hmm. I guess, at the present time of 20, I guess, 2021, 2022, it was very vague. It didn't list the criteria. It was specifically under the profanity and obscenities. Um, again, everyone can agree. I think, I think this, um, these books kind of like caught everyone off guard. Like, wait a second, like some of the stuff in there, we can all agree that we need to adhere to all students in the community and in, in, in the community, LGBTQ all over the place. But the issue was, at least for me personally, and I think a lot of parents who spoke out was the, the sexual content in it. So how, again, like this, the existing policy was so vague on how you decipher what's too obscene and what's too, like, how you know how bad profanities are to be like hey maybe this isn't appropriate you know hence why we had to go through this process this reconsideration process you know so I just again nobody wants to go through something like that again to question and my issue 
is and was how it was obtained in the first place and how we can avoid this happening in the future. You know, so how are we going to hold our administration, anyone, and this isn't just the library, this is all over. This is in history and English. I was say, it's, it goes way beyond the library. Of course. Yeah. So I guess just how are we making sure that these policies are adhered to? Is it the school, you know, principal? You know, I think now with the newest policies and procedures, they are going to have to kind of go down a chain of people, which hopefully that, you know, does happen. And it's not just on one department head and one person. Um, so again, just kind of like hearing from you what you would recommend to make sure these policies are adhered to. I guess I'm, I'm still fuzzy on what I would recommend about doing as opposed to, you know, I would think that um, one of my personal items around, um, around curriculum is the process of which it's curated in the first place, right? The curation, the organization and the re consistent review of it, you know, by the teams themselves and then dissemination out, right? So one of my personal frustrations that of, of being here in Medfield has the lack of ability for me to know what's happening, you know, not every day, like in my kids' classrooms, but what are the big ideas that we're going over in certain periods of the year? And, you know, what are the big idea in history, right? In, um, in every grade level, you know, K up through eight, you know, it's kind of builds each year, you know, kindergarten, this is me in my, in my classroom, and I'm part of this group, I'm part of my community, and then it grows, this is me in my town, me in my state, you know, where I place in that, and it grows year over year up through fifth grade, up to sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Now, I know that through the state standards thing, and I'm an, ed I'm an educator, so I know those things, but as a common parent, most people may not, right, and mm -hmm. so how are you, and my, and this is, and each teacher does it differently, and you know, my reasoning for this is around the idea of being able to support learning from home. And so, and in that process, generally, you know, we have, you know, one of the upsides of having all of our grades uh, across town in one school is that all the grades are together and can collaborate together. So if we were neighborhood schools, one thing that can happen from time to time is one grade will go, you know, one grade level in one school will go in one way and one grade level in another school will go another, right? In a different way, like different manner. And not all the time, right? I'm talking lower grades, so it's not a huge impact. But we do have the benefit of having them all in one school. So they do collaborate together. So I am, I'm sure that there's a lot of equitable distribution and there's different and similar materials and, um, and experiences happening, obviously, Every teacher is different, um, but the content being used is probably alike or pretty close with each teacher's got their own nuances. And if they're doing a great job, then they're reaching out to your student in a different way and may have a different type of content that they have or different content in a different format that responds better with your child because maybe they're a visual learner or maybe they're an audio learner, auditory learner. And every teacher does that by trade. You know, as you get up in to the areas where the content gets little more complex and um, the complexities of some of the concepts, particularly around human concepts, you know, and your, your relation to the books, which I think is obviously a big social, emotional, and could be um, obviously more on the extreme side because there's uh, maybe less eyeballs. It's not part of the curriculum. It's part of the, you know, open reading spot. 
or expanding special interests or personal interests, um, you know, that's a little more subjective. And I would imagine that, you know, under the light of the current state that there definitely was some light turned on to that particular subject area or that particular process. Um, you know, the two books in question, the two books in question are in high school libraries um, across this state. And uh, particularly the ones that we consider our peers, they're in every single one of them we consider our peers. Cause they, and you can go look, they're all, all their catalogs are all public, uh, all those high school catalogs. Um, and so those particular two books, I purposely went around and looked, um, you know, and I used to run the library department at Newton uh, Public Schools. Uh, and so and we, they had a pretty, pretty rigorous review process and all the titles and they used to meet as a team, all the librarians. I think one of the things that the department here lacks is it's not that big of a team, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, a lot of reflections, yes, I'm assuming may have to rely on peers in other places as well. So, um, but again, those would be that type of process um, as much as the policy can dictate, you know, we don't want to, we obviously don't want to restrict the creativity and we hope then the professionalism of our you know, of our staff, right? And our, the hired professionals, all of them with higher degrees, you know, second, you know, two degrees or more uh, in the space, you know, and I don't think maliciously or intently are going after, you know, trying to introduce our kids to harmful uh, material. So with that said, you know, the, how much that policy can uh, enforce the process be in place and followed, like, um, you know, there is, or, I don't know. I don't know if it was ever a many process, but in the places I've worked, I used to go through what's called the curriculum review process. Or every year, every so many years, it would get reviewed. Uh, I personally kind of thought that was every so many years is kind of too far apart, like because it's always being reviewed because teachers go through it and they change it all the time. Um, so formalizing that process, I think, uh, would be beneficial in some way, um, so that it doesn't need to be. Um, you know, like the aha moment or the gotcha moment. Uh, and I would, and I would say that, you know, the school has done a lot of improvement, particularly in the libraries. Um, you know, that uh, the library at the middle, memorial, when my kids were there, some of the books that were a bit pulled out of there were straight out of 1960s, you know, uh, brought home, one of Henry's friends brought home a whole book on weapons, like, you know, uh, it was very, very interesting. And it's because the, they didn't, they haven't had a study librarian uh, to weed the library. It's called weeding to weed out stuff that it's probably never been checked out, right? Whoever, Henry Schrem is probably the first person to check it out in like 20 years. Um, so, so I think that that's what the policy should ultimately do is support that review, that review process, right? Um, and, and not to, and I'm cautious about being, um, the policy being too rigid in restricting the uh, instructional creativity that helps, you know, that helps our teachers do what they do best. Um, mm -hmm. And at the same time, have it be often enough that, you know, you know, we're not going to, I mean, how many, how many of us, you know, grew up watching, you know, movies in the nineties that probably aren't going to be aired anymore on TV, you know, on, on TV. <laughs> so, you know, because of their, you know, the nature of what's on them or, the language used. Uh, so I don't know. And that's what I'm hoping out of, you know, a policy that would revolve around curriculum. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, I think it would be more around 
adhering to a review process, what that review process looks like. And I think that's obviously what they've already done, uh, you know, updating that review process. Uh, and then in particular, it's going to be different for, um, it's going to be different for the library than it is for science, right? Or, uh, or maybe something more subjective, like social studies today is pretty, it's pretty much a very similar boat to libra libraries because it's, um, you know, it can be uh, culturally charged with the, the state of uh, today's culture and 10 years later, it'll change again, right? Whereas science is usually always science and <laughs> math, you know, two plus two still equals four. So now the, the way, so the, those two kind of luck out, right? They may review new curriculum on, you know, advancing pedagogy on the delivery of those, you know, whereas co the content evolving uh, is definitely smack dab and something like social studies and or the library. So okay. it has to be all inclusive, kind of an all inclusive like model, right? So. I think and I would just say like specifically around the books that I, I don't know exactly how we can operationalize it, but it, it, as they procure or bring in new titles, you know, in an ideal world, there are those that are fringe. Hey, this might be, this may or may not be age appropriate. It would be ideal if any time, you know, as those fringe ones that occurs, that at least does trigger an automatic review. You know, i.e. goes up to Christine and or, you know, Jeff or, you know, principal, Christine or principal. Um, I think the challenging part is what, how do you define fringe? Right. Um, I do think that they are like um, a couple of these, as, as that was raised, you know, are, are, we're looking at the policies and then the operating model around it. And I think that that was one area that I, I did bring up in one of the public meetings, like, okay, how can we at least, you know, what is the best way to monitor that? I haven't found oh. like a silver bullet answer as to how you might monitor it yet. Um, I do know, you know, this this is still, there's a meeting, I think that we're gonna put it on the agenda in the February meeting to, you know, one is what's what's the, um, you know, after our review, how do we feel about, you know, the decision that was made? And then I, that's where I, I am curious though, like I'm not quite sure, you know, does the, 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 you know, something ideally would trigger even with the librarian, hey, this might get us in, you know, th this might not be appropriate for everybody. Um, one way that I think will be more publicized is parents can um, say, you know, there's certain books we don't want our children to take out. It would be good to know, hey, which ones are being raised? That, that you know, again, it's crowdsourced effectively, but at least it it is. Um, you you can't always like there is that balance. They can't be you know, Jeff or the principals aren't always looking over their shoulder. They they have to give them some latitude. So I, I don't know if that answer between Leo and I, I don't think we're either giving you a, a great. No, no, it's helpful. I'm just because the point is, I, obviously, the biggest thing was the age recommendation, you know, so age recommendation should be a huge, you know, deciding factor, which is why Jeff decided to take Flamer out of the middle school, because it was just above that age restriction, which, you know, it shouldn't shouldn't have hopefully with the new updated procedure. I believe it's a procedure because the way Christine explained it, um, school committee doesn't have to vote on procedure, but you vote on policy. Correct. So the new procedure to, you know, do this, that's one of the line items is 
you know, age appropriateness and age recommendation, which again, you know, like I, I might let my kids watch something that other parents do not, like that's where it comes down to parent, right. you know, consent and, and decision, you know, but again, so that was my question. Well, with the existing policy, not having that line item of age recommendation, you know, who's, and you can't, you can't be like holding hands of everybody, you know, but like, how did this even get in there to begin with? And hopefully moving forward, having these, you know, more specific um, kind of guidelines that can be avoided in the future. Yeah, like, like that to me would, like the default is if it's 14 plus, doesn't go in the middle school. Like that, that's the, this, like that would just be what, you know, now would there be exceptions? Sure, maybe there's good reasons. But like something like that, that's a little more binary. No, I think I'm just, I think that's, we, we are, um, I think the actual future review, like that, that is something that we're still waiting to hear from the administration as well. I think it sounds to me like we're on the same page. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, my question that I threw out there is just kind of getting that understanding of how it's going to be, um, I think, just overseen, you know, to make sure. And, you know, that I think that's just going to have to be a An administrative process. And, and learning process with it. Well, you know, we fought, you know, one of the things, you know, like I said, curriculum was something that was on my radar, you know, when I ran in the first place. And, you know, I fought to get the director's position uh, reinstated, and uh, we had one for some time. Um, and then uh, I think there was a retirement, and you know, and it's always retirements and in positions that don't sit in front of students always get targeted as savings sometimes for a while. Um, and so, getting it restored was a big part of that. And this is one of the reasons, right? Is to mm -hmm. you know carry out the process, kind of be those checks and balances, and um, you know, and the effectiveness, right? I mean, I mean, aside from the books, it's, you know, the, you know, those, those books were barely signed out before people, you know, were shocked by it. <laughs> That's the problem with social media. You don't miss much when, when they're advertised. Well, like I said, my understanding was, is nobody signed the books out and then all of a sudden become oversubscribed. Everyone wanted to sign them out. So well, yeah, they wanted to uh, see what it was all about. Right. I mean, by the kids, the kids in the, in the library, they, I guess, signed up and they went to the public library, I heard. Um, but other side, the more important part of the the policy is around you know the content that is being assigned and taught all the time, right? I mean, in the classroom, every student's getting you know subjected to it, right? Or subjected to both it. sides, like that's subjected a, that's a to tough tour. Yeah, I didn't yeah. mean subjected to it. I meant you know presented with this content, right? In the classroom, it's part of the curriculum, you know. And I think you know having an eye on those and your thumb on the pulse is extremely important because that's the impact on you know, test scores and uh, how kids are doing and, you know, they're building their creative skill sets and how are they processing information, you know, knowing mm -hmm. that information is real and when it's not real. Um, I mean, information literacy is um, not a new concept, and but it's become ever important because of social media, right? So people's ability so to play make the role of also, as you, as you wrap it up, trying to keep, you know, trying to, um, as we get to folks to keep the topics rolling as well. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, 100%. Right, um, thank you. Yep. And um, everyone moved around on the screen. So now I'm trying to- yeah, there's, there's a few more. There's another- Yeah, I've invited them in. They declined to come in. So mm -hmm. I asked the people who are just listening, if you do want to join the panel, this isn't, this is, 
join the panel is not like you have to speak, but if you want to be able to ability, you have to raise your hand so I can pull you in to speak. That's why I was inviting you as a panelist, uh, but you don't necessarily have to speak, but it's a quicker option. So I'm keeping an eye on that if the hands go up. I did mm -hmm. see Bruce put his hands up, uh, his hand up, but he's still connecting to audio. So I'm not sure how we'd hear him. So mm -hmm. unless he unless he's the 617 number that dialed in separate. Um, I will try inviting because I don't think we have chat open, right? No, no I, I think. Yeah. Oh, I can't. I can't promote the phone. Oh, I can allow it to talk. Hold on. So, hello, six one seven number. Are you, you Bruce? Four five nine twenty one hundred. Okay. All right, I will just leave that person in there and see what happens. All right, uh, going around, Steve. How you doing? Good, how you doing, Steve? I'm doing good, thank you guys. Thanks for, uh, for doing this tonight, this is great. Um, my question is uh, on policy in regards to social media in Medfield um, accounts, like like teacher accounts or department head accounts. Um, I just want to just give you a couple examples of, of what I'm talking about, of kind of like what I've accumulated. Um, here's one: Please reach out to your healthcare providers for the facts regarding vaccines. They will share the truth and do what's best for you, not the Republican National Committee or TikTok. Here's another one. The conservative war on education that has failed. Uh, and what else here? Uh, another one. Uh, I just filed as a candidate. This is for a uh, congressman. I just filed as a candidate for U.S. Congress. We're going to flip Minnesota's first congressional district from red to blue. So these, these are actual Medfield Department head Twitter accounts. Um, so I'm not sure how these are they, um, are they official Medfield Twitter yes. account? Yes, yes, they are. Yep, and there's multiple. Like I have a bunch of them. Yeah, and it seems like there's a particular bias directed one way. Like I was looking for other ones going the opposite direction, so I could just be like, you know what, this is a problem all around. But it almost seems like it's a systemic issue. And well, I'm not going to get into a red blue red blue conversation, but I can tell you my opinion on social media in our schools. Sure, I think all the teachers should get off Twitter ASAP. Yep, Twitter and only personal accounts, no school accounts on Twitter or Facebook anymore. So I think I I personally think that these and there's some some of them post really interesting articles or the the problem is when they can do that they can do that on their own account like no but. Even so, using Twitter accounts, you know, to show science or, or whatever it is, is fantastic. I think the problem is when you're going down a political or well, pushing political agendas or ideology, then it becomes extremely problematic. Well, and like I said, that I, I see why they're using Twitter. And I here's my reasoning for it. My reasoning mainly is because a lot of times they're posting pictures and pictures of kids and the activities in the room. And I don't want my kid out there. Yeah. I don't want no. my kid's picture out there. I don't sure. want it on Twitter. I don't want it scanned, indexed, and everything else. Uh, Facebook too, um, yep. and frankly, I think um, very much like the library situation and everything else. You know, personal accounts, school accounts, it blurs the area. 
Uh, I think it's too, it opens up teachers, this, the current state of affairs, it just opens them up to too much criticism um, and, and risk. So, and we don't, obviously, if it's a, if it's a, that's why I had to ask, like if it said, and I'm using, pulling this out of the air, math department, no, nope. probably the least one you're going to see on there, math department, uh, head Medfield Twitter account, tweeting the stuff you said, or no. is it nope. Mr. So-and-so who's the math department head? Oh, it's Olga. Nope. Yeah, yeah. These are actual department head accounts. Right. It will say, uh, an example, it will say like Medfield Fine Arts. Right. And they're exactly. posting like very like I'm not sure what like turning a district from one color to another has anything to do with Medfield Fine Arts. I agree with you. So I, I think that policy. Right now there isn't one, um, and you know we've had I've had personally a conversation with Dr. Marsden briefly about it. Uh, I think we're gonna definitely address it. I think that the sharing of classroom activities and science experience and all that stuff. I think that should be, you know, behind a walled garden for the parents. And um, if there's something in particular, we can publish that on the website because that's what it's for. And, and we can have a community account. Maybe we can get kind of like what the town's trying to do, but it's, it's hard, you know. I think that's where the web is still kind of is king on the kind of like the newsletter concept of having, you know, Hey, I was doing this experiment. I'm going to send this off to the person in charge of the school newsletter, which I think right now is the principal's. But the print that that principal's newsletter, uh, I believe, is is public, and you know, usually it's on the principal's blog or something like that. And I think that's a great spot, uh, you know, for that kind of activity. Um, but you know, the, the real benefit, I'm not scouring my teachers. Twitter accounts to see what's happening in the classroom, you know? And so to me, I, there was a movement at one point in time around it, around social media and effective and nice, trying to get a positive use out of it. But I, you know, um, I just think it's, it's one more, it's one more thing that they kind of maybe feel like they have to do. And it's unfortunate that we're gonna shift gears. So perhaps we can shift it to something different uh, to continue maintain that same kind of communication uh, to the learning community, which is I know what they're trying to do um, and pulls them out of that particular thing. And if they want their own private account, you know, it's part of their first amendment, right? You know, so. No, totally. But when we, but when they're using town accounts to almost like politicize or as uh, right. political schools, it becomes a, a big problem. And that's, you know, it's, it shows bias. And I think that's kind of something that it's, it's a systemic issue that's kind of trickled down. And, you know, I've heard issues in classrooms where there have been curriculum that have, you know, uh, Superintendent Marsden has pulled, um, where kids have actually like left the school for this. Um, you know, and it's the same thing where it's it's the bias and the microaggressions um, that have kind of permeated. And that's what we're hoping to kind of, you know, I have two kids now that are in private schools in that like any type of political discussions or conversations or tweets or social media is a huge like no-no because they don't want there to be any type of division or animosity between students and staff and parents. I mean, the, the least we know about people's political ideology, the better off anybody is. I mean, there's really no, no need to know either way. Um, and I think that's kind of you know a big problem. I know I went to a Bishop Fien open house um, a couple months ago, and I saw I think it was almost thirteen Medfield families there, and we were talking to the principal and a couple of the families, and it seemed like this was a major issue. Um, you know, and just alone in our, our St. Catherine's carpool, we 
we have 10, 10 kids in our neighborhood that go to St. Catharines. And it seems like it's just a, you know, the same kind of issue where it's the same, same kind of problem that people are talking about, where it's just become so divisive. Um, you know, and we saw at the school committee meeting not too long ago, a mom got up and said she felt her daughter was vilified, um, you know, for her views and, and religious beliefs. So like, that's like, what, what is our school committee doing to, to ensure, um, you know, that this isn't occurring? And like you said, there's no policy in, in regards to this. How do we get that moving? Well, you, you jumped on the two different things. So feeling persecuted in class, I mean, that's, that's at the bottom of every statement, you know, that we do not persecute anyone, you yeah. know, for their religion and everything else. And the last meeting we had, uh, there was a gigantic uh, conversation about uh, an adoption of a, I don't think we changed it to teaching and learning um, vision statement, but um, yeah. essentially it was around uh, consideration uh, for everyone's past and backgrounds in in the content and then the delivery of you know our curriculum, and um, so that aside obviously is now a voted vision statement. So um, outside of that, again, it goes right back down to the same procedures, right? Um, that I mentioned to Kalen, uh, and then also the uh, sort of social media. Um, you know, I believe it's a part of a communications policy uh, that, you know, is probably in, in to be shaped. And I know it's something that I want to bring up. Yeah. Um, and we definitely want to talk about it. And I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty open about my, my opinion about it. I think it's, you know, it, it, to me, it's like teacher websites, you know, it's another place and something else they had to do, right? They have to do it. My entire, you know, I was the IT guy in schools, right? So I was training teachers how to build them and they had to do it. No one, I used to monitor traffic with Google Analytics about what parents went to, and no one ever goes to the, no one ever goes to the websites. So the purpose of them, the purpose of these accounts was to replace the website initially, right? And obviously they got into Twitter. They probably weren't into Twitter before they were said, let's go to this PD and we're gonna try out Twitter as a way to communicate with our our community. Um, and I don't know. I don't know how many people still use Twitter. Um, I never really got into it, uh, to be honest. Um, I have an account, but I, I'd like never really got into it. So yeah. I never, I never got it in the first place. So I know that you're not reaching the target population we're trying to reach, right? And so I think there's a better. I know there are better solutions out there um, that are geared towards school communities. You know, uh, well, learning. The learning. It's it's not the format, it's what they're putting on the format is the problem. It's not the, it's not what the, the social media platforms, it's what they're putting on the platform. Well, they that's, can, like I said, they can, but if they're, if, if they were using their personal account. They're using, they're, those were all Medfield, those were four. Sure. I hear you. I mean, I mean, are you recommending another type of policy about it? Like, I, I guess the policy would probably read something in the fact that we're not going to have official school, school social media accounts outside of designated ones, right? We don't want to make a policy that, you know, names names platforms because then you're pigeonholing yourself and those change too often, right? They change all the time. So I think yeah. the big thing would be like, if you're going to have a policy in regards to this, like if, if I was able to do it and could wave a magic wand, I would just be like, hey, let's keep it education orientated, let's keep political um, opinions or political articles or anything that's political, that's one side or another, let's try to remove that and just keep it to, based towards academics or what we're doing in the classroom, or what science projects. Okay. 
No, I'm, oh, now. remove it from the current accounts, you mean? Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, like, I, my recommendation would be to, to delete them. Yeah. All well, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, no, I mean, I think there's great stuff because a lot of people are obviously on Twitter. I don't follow it as much, but I get, and a lot of stuff gets sent to me. So it's kind of where it's, it's interesting. But I think the biggest thing is avoid anything that's divisive. The stuff like that, where it's saying we need to turn a district from red to blue or whatever it is, is not needed. Like it's it's not important. It doesn't do anything for for Medfield students in Minnesota. Okay, Tim. No, I, I think I think I would. Um, I want to look a little more. Closer. I know I, I know I stuck my stake in the ground around the whole idea of social yeah. media so i think you know we are doing a pretty broad policy review one of the things that's coming up even and leo and i actually are you know um that, that's an area i guess we're not really allowed to talk to we have the committee on it um high level though i think some of that is sequential going through each you know policy b c d etc um i think there are a few that we might want to bring up Towards the front, and yeah. um, in that, that, case, that like this, this one to me, at least highest level, I I don't know directly what is the exact policy. Um, I think what I reviewed is pretty vague. It, it's more it's more vague, and it's purposely vague because yeah, more, more often than not, I, I agree. Yeah. Higher level, I'd rather see less of it. Um, that you will occasionally see sometimes. It, it's it's going to be similar, Steve. Like I agree that there's red or blue. You know, like there are certain political things we know people are going to stay away from. Then yep. you will sometimes see somebody somebody post something after a, you know a massive school shooting or something like that. That um, you could still say that's politically motivated, and and um, you know I, I just think that there is uh, you know like that that's I don't think either side wants to see school shootings too. <laughs> no, I, I understand, I understand, yeah. but I think th those are areas where there's a human element that we don't we don't want to be so too overwhelming. But I, I I put it like in the same thing. I, part of this is to listen capture some feedback and try to, you know, con continue to raise it. I, I think it's worthwhile to, to say, hey, let's let's look a little closer. And you're seeing it. One, one of the topics anywhere, a couple of folks asked about the public input, we may get to that. The review process may take the better part of a year to go through the entire manual um, and, and actually implement what the changes are. That, that's kind of a, that said, there's no reason why a policy can't come forward, you know, yeah, and do anything with like major sweeping practice like Twitter account like change, right? How what's the what's a practice that's going to impact every classroom, right? And I don't know. I know they were encouraging it. I don't know how much was required. I really don't. Uh, I, I don't know if it was required at any one point. I think it might have been a recommendation. Um, I think the elementaries mainly use, um, you know, a newsletter and Google you know, to communicate out to families. Um, and some of them, I think, do Twitter, you know, some of them from that effect do Twitter, but, you know, I think the idea of, you know, using Google to send out the newsletter, I don't think the general public cares all too much about, you know, what, uh, you know, what science projects going on in the third grade classroom. It might be interesting to them, but at the same time, it's one thing for the teacher to have their own account and can share out, hey, I did this in my class today um and it was really and it worked really well right and here's a link to my my lesson plan right that might be worthwhile to a lot of folks outside of our community um yeah. oh oh sorry go ahead 
No, I think that's the what Steve is saying, which I just want to piggyback on what Steve was saying. Like, it's not whether it's Twitter or some other, you know, social media. It's just the political component of these tweets. Right. What, well, like what I, yeah. that it is like it's concerning. Yeah. You know, like public school is for everyone. And when you become very political, everyone doesn't feel welcome. And so regardless of whatever social media and whether you hate it, which I hate social media, but it's still there, right? And it needs to stop. Like the political, it's, it just, it's not okay so, in public school. So like I, well, that's what I'm saying. So, so yeah, I, I guess agree. how do we fix that? So, yes. so I think this, uh, more immediately, we could probably ask, you know, the superintendent to ask them not to use the school accounts, right? I mean, we can ask, it's not a policy, and we would have to go through a policy process, which, you know, would take time, right? So you could, you know, you could, you know, email Dr. Marsden about it or the principal, you know, with which the- Which I have, I have. <laughs> but if there's, not a, if there's not a policy, then they're not official Twitter accounts because they're not monitored by the school. Is that my understanding? Like. That's right. So you're saying they're coming from official Medfield departments, but they're technically not. They're just teachers or staff who have like named but, it that and own it. So they named I'm not it, saying right. it's so they're allowed. I'm just saying, yeah. yeah, they're allowed to because Twitter lets them because well, it's I think like, they were. It's like the wild, wild west over there. Like I don't trust anything. Yeah. I, you, well, Claire, I think they were. I think they were encouraged to in the past, like yeah. okay. years ago. There was like a there was like a um, a time here when there was a lot of. Uh, progressive pedagogical shift happening and adoption of technology. Um, yeah, cause like I, I only downloaded Twitter cause that's where Dr. Marsden posts if we're gonna have a snow day. That's literally, he's literally like one of three people I follow cause I don't understand right. Twitter. I don't use Twitter. I don't know anything about it. Um, <laughs> but I like my, my understanding is that there's not except for Dr. Marsden's account and like Medfield public schools like there's not any official <laughs> sanctioned yeah, accounts. The sports, all the sports teams Maybe have. A, um, yeah, but like, yeah. I, well, so the I, departments do. So departments. If you, I just think it's concerning that they are labeling it as a school, you know, yeah, like named it, it named yeah, it I as agree. a school one and then yeah. sharing all school information on it, right? It's not like pictures of their kids. It's right. all school stuff. So I guess that needs to well, be clarified. Well, if they, if they changed, right. and so what we, what, I mean, to Claire's point, if they change the name from something department head, I don't, I don't remember which one you said, Steve, but whatever department head, uh, Medfield, right, to whatever their name is, just change the name, right? Um, and they can put in their bio what they do. I mean, we can't, they're on LinkedIn, they're on LinkedIn doing yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I'm hearing, don't use the platform that you have, you, you are a department head within the Medfield Public Schools to try to promote something that, you know, is, is you know, your bias, There's something right. that, you know, right. Don't name, it, don't name the account. I mean, I know what he's yeah, saying. Yeah, but name the account. Med, you know, Medfield Science Department. Yeah. Twitter account, and then, but if it changed to, I don't know who the science department head is, but um, if you change the science department, uh, if you change it to their name and scrub the Medfield out of it, you know, except maybe they can put their title. I don't know if people do that. That's more of a LinkedIn thing. But you know, like to Claire's point, it's social media and. They can put whatever they want on there. Yeah, you know, absolutely. For a personal account, but they're they're sharing all school sanctioned events and activities and can't stop them from that so either. They could retweet. They could retweet it out too. You know. Yeah. So. So I, mean, I think I, there needs to be some kind of policy, right? So that you're not 
I mean, if they if they're tweeting, uh, uh, I mean, if they're if they've got their name, and they happen to be in that position, and they're tweeting out stuff that they're doing in their classroom, and they're tweeting out, and they're tweeting out, um, you know, stuff they're doing in the classroom, and they're tweeting out, you know, red or blue rhetoric. It's still, they're still public information. It's not like they're tweeting out someone's social security number, you know, and that's their opinion. I, you know, I I haven't seen a public school district. I mean, I think that someone else brought this up with me too. And I was like, sounds like a serious first amendment like case. If we were to say, you can't go on Twitter. It's not saying you can't go on Twitter, but when you're, it's labeled Blake LMC. Right. Right? I give, that part I give you. And yep. then it's sharing what's in the library every day. That looks like an official Twitter. And I think there could be a policy where you can say, you can't label right. your account Blake LMC and tweet everything that has to do with schools and then say oh but these are my personal thoughts right right and protect yourself I right think, like, like again I think that's a way of and I think that's a way of good go ahead Nicole sorry no oh no I'm saying one second to um oh step my daughter. I, I, I agree with <laughs> you I, like I said I agree with you I think it's I think it's it leaves things way too open right um because i because who's to stop and this has happened uh i personally had to work with the fbi on this someone spoofed an email account and was tweeting out as our uh, not tweeting out they were emailing threats to folks from um an assistant superintendent uh one of the districts i worked with and was sending them to the white house right and all you know because someone made up an account right and you, you know, someone can go in and create a new account, right? Many of you know this well, tons of accounts on these platforms because it's endless, they're not curated. There's no true one person, right? And they can be as someone else could, that name can be gotten rid of and someone else can go take it and say, this is what's happening, even though it's not happening, right? So I think it, I think officially from a, from a, for the protection of our staff, uh, for the protection of you know information about our kids, I think we should just like kind of eliminate it as official any kind of official platform for the school district, except maybe if Dr. Marsden wants to do you know school closings and sports and maybe the sports accounts like sports teams to share out for the folks who are doing that, but keep it strictly you know we can have them put a procedure together. Part of the policy will be to have a procedure, right? for those folks to use those accounts for that. And then that kind of eliminates the problem. And then outside of that, and each teacher can do whatever they want. It's, I mean, it's their first amendment right, you know, to go and, was it, does it look good sometimes? It depends on the community you're in, right? I mean, that's the, that's the, you know, that's the, the crux. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of stuff in the news. You've seen what's happened to teachers in other parts of the country, so. Well, that's the thing when we're trying to to make an all inclusive environment where everybody's safe and looking through it through multiple lenses. Why wouldn't we want to be as neutral as possible, no matter what that that's the kind of like the point is what, what was the word sorry. I'm... You know, trying to be inclusive looking through oh, yeah. like multiple yeah. lenses, and you want to make every classroom feel like a safe place for students right. when they when they go on there and see a department head saying don't don't listen to the republican national committee like that was an exact word and their parents could be or maybe they feel that way and then they don't feel safe in that classroom anymore 
you know, I mean, we also have to take into account these kids' feelings as well and, and what they're dealing with and the emotional trauma that that's how that impacts them as well. Yeah, I don't want my kids on Twitter for as long as possible. I yeah. would keep well, there, not, yeah. I'm talking about our Medfield department heads that are putting these out that parents and kids are seeing because then it creates man. I understand, I understand what you're saying. I mean, I mean Steve, yeah. you're saying, hey, if you disagree, then you, that, that should be their right and maybe it comes up, but they may be fearful of sharing that based on like, I, you know, so I, 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 I have a better understanding of what you're saying. I think a lot of it, you know, I think Leo, you are recognizing there are ways to get around there's it. There's lots right? of risk, right? There's just lots for, of risk. To try to, you know, for town, yeah. town owned accounts, don't use them and um, try to, you know, like, and it could be a policy that says, don't use your title or your, you know, the role that you have as a platform to advocate positions like that. And, and within, within reason, I think we can at least, like oh, I train them on best, best practices for sure, right? Yeah, like we, there are things where, you know, you at least study it. There's another topic that I think is gradually coming up again, and that's like, you know, mobile devices in the, the high school. And for a while, it seemed like, hey, it might make a good idea to not necessarily have them in the classrooms. And as he studied it's it not out. more, it definitely should not be out. Kids are abusing it. Yeah, I, I have an opinion on it. But as you studied it more and more, there was at least, you know, people said, hey, there's some examples and reasons why you might. So at least, and, and then you started to realize, hey, this is um, at least something that there's going to be a little bit of debate before you can do it. But I, right now, I, what we've talked about, Steve, but to me, it seemed fairly common sense. Like, okay, so what's the counter position if we did that? I use the term, it's too simple. What bad things happen if you have that in place? I haven't, not, nothing jumps off the page of me. And I, I would say, hey, yeah, it's a worthwhile question, right? Like, hey, how are others, other districts handling this around social media? And is there an, a relatively, um, you know, at least let's put some controls. Is, is there some controls we can put in there? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I don't want to take up your time because I know other people. Uh, Frank, Franklin Franklin has a really really good policy on social media for its for its staff. That might be one to look at. Um, and one of the things, one of the points that it makes in its policy, is that if a if any of the staff members are actually talking about their capacity in any capacity with their job, um, whether it's on social media or elsewhere, that they are actually not protected by First Amendment rights if it can reflect poorly on the district and their professional status. So it's just it's just really an interesting that's point. We have to run that one by legal because yeah, exactly. That's, uh, that's a pretty that's pretty bold, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've I've actually seen it uh, on some of the um, union documents. We have I'm surrounded by teachers on our street, and there's been a lot of um, articles written about First Amendment rights. To I would imagine that's probably a big union uh, hot button. Yeah. So. so I mean, it's just something to consider. You know that. That would that would mean you know don't put it on LinkedIn either, right? Right. Well, I think it just is if it's de if what they're saying is detriment is viewed detrimental to the district. It, it defined could, detrimental, could, right? I don't exactly. know. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I understand. It's always going to be hard to say, hey, but but at yeah. least at least you have a baseline. Yep. Right. Like in, and so I, I glassdoor glassdoor.com is all about <laughs> ranking your employer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I'll uh, I'll have that policy in a matter of minutes. I'll fire off an email. I know the Franklin folks well. So yeah, it's a, it's inter it's just an interesting read. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, Chris, you're 
no one else is raising their hand and Mr. Bardsley has been in and out and I think he's having connection issues. And, uh, and one more reminder to the people in the waiting room, if you'd like to speak, I just have to promote you to a panel. Well, actually, no, I can allow you to talk if you don't want to show your face, but, um, but it'd be better if you could see your face. So. Um, my big question is, has to do with the school committee role with regard to um, curriculum adoption in general and I'm, I'm i'm not thinking even i'm not even thinking about the book issue i'm thinking about the math pilot right now um i went to the memorial site council meeting and i did and i learned a lot i mean a lot of a lot of facts about the pilot i did not realize and i think the big one was i i had assumed that it was just only one um curriculum um example or sample that they were going to be piloting and found out it was actually three different ones and the extent of who was going to be involved in that and how long it was going to take um, i actually sent christine power a bunch of very specific questions figuring she was the expert on this and i know she's working on some answers but it did really kind of lead the question made a question jump out to me about school committee's role when you have a pilot program because when you think about the amount of time effort that the staff is going to be putting into adopting or uh, examining three different um, potential math, you know, uh, curriculums. And then also, um, you know, what was wrong with the current one and what are we hoping to achieve? Um, what is the extent of the, of the curriculum review for math? There were just a lot of questions that I just thought it would have been really helpful as an informational item, even if school committee didn't have any authority over the pilot, but it would have been very helpful to have it be an agenda item, um, just to, to go through all the basics. You know, um, it's gonna be a pretty big project. It's gonna involve a lot of people. I also wondered how much it cost. Um, like, do you get do you get free samples from these companies to, to pilot or do you pay a, a fee for this? Um, and, and I think one of the main sort of reasons that I got interested in this was sitting on the elementary school day committee when we were looking at the extension of the day. And at that point in time, and we had just rolled out the Envision Math, hearing teachers talking about how much time and effort it took to adopt new curriculum. So it was just very sort of sensitive to their role in all this. So, but it's mostly for me, it's about the school committee role when, when these pilots get um, proposed. So, you know, again, that's part of the curriculum process, you know, and piloting curriculum has to be done um, in order for it to be, you know, to see whether it's effective. You know, uh, the particular program that was used in the past was called Envisions Math. Um, and my understanding of the history uh, of the, at least the elementary curriculum that was in dire need of some revamp, you know, some some time ago. I mean, this was over a decade ago, maybe. Um, and that it, Dr. Marson, I believe, led that charge with the folks when he came. And you know, having something organized, um, you know, buying a program, if you will, in this case, uh, at the time it was Envisions Math, which was uh, a Pearson product at the time, um, which I think they've kind of abandoned as because of not not meeting the needs. And again, that's a and that's out of a fact of or a process where classroom teachers saw that it wasn't meeting students' needs um, and immediately shifted in a different direction. So um, and worked as a team to do that. 
I am not familiar specifically of, intimately with what this particular program is and what grade levels it covers. Um, my only hope, and again, my, um, you know, my, you know, from my professional side of things, you know, I just hope it builds continuity uh, that builds year over year, right? Whatever it is, so that, you know, um, that when students progress up the grade levels that the teachers pick up what the kids left off the previous year and continue on and that there's collaboration in that fact. Now, to answer your question about piloting, hopefully that they, they probably did a major pilot after reviewing many others. Uh, that's generally how the process works. Um, there's generally a, a team kind of, kind of pulls together and whether it's a grade level team or a high school team, it depends on who it is. Like, um, I think people know my wife teaches uh, in a neighboring district and you know she's part of um, a sophomore history team. And if there's a curriculum change to be made there, you know, they, you know, they pull together and they figure out that curriculum. Um, a lot of times it's homegrown. Uh, so to your cost question, I'm not sure what they're using. They could be using an open source product. Uh, there's a couple of really highly impactful open source products. Um, there is a great website that measures, um, the they consider it the consumer reports for curriculum. It's called Ed Reports. Um, and it's uh, foundation funded, but the folks at Ed Reports are where a lot of the state agencies across the country use to, um, and large school districts use to kind of look at uh, some of the impact of some of the product lines out there. Obviously, they haven't reviewed all of them, but they've reviewed quite a few. Um, and in the math particular, there is, I, the name of it's escaping me, but there is a couple of open source ones that are highly impactful. Um, and they become open source because they're built and funded, you know, through foundation funds. And uh, so therefore they're, they're free and then they can be adjusted. Um, and, um, but again, I'm not familiar in particular with this particular pilot over this particular case and what they're using and what they're uh, venturing in and what problem they're trying to solve. So, and that's why I asked the question because I just feel like as school committee members, you guys should should have a baseline baseline information about this pilot. I mean, I'm looking at the curriculum adoption policy and it says committee wishes to be informed of all new courses and substantive revisions in curriculum. It will receive reports on changes under consideration. So, I mean, I'm just thinking as a baseline, you guys should know what grades are impacted. You should know how many people are on the, on the you know, involved with reviewing it. You should have a general idea of the three that are being considered. One I do I know is open source. I, I don't have my notes in front of me from the meeting, but I do. I did look after the meeting and I saw that one was open source. The other two are not. School committee should know what the cost of the pack, you know, of each one is for just a, a budget, you know, comparison. I, I'm just saying. Chris, that's, Chris I, know, I know I know where you're going with this, and it's totally. I, I know your opinion. I know it's very. You know, I get it. We're doing a terrible about, job across about, the board. But it's um, about. But process. I'll say, Leo, it's about the, process. We won't, we won't know the price until it's you know dueled out, right? I don't know when the implementation might be for this. Uh, I'm assuming it'll be in the budget. If it's an increase in the budget, you know, around the, you know that particular line item, I know that. Hopefully, we're not paying for envisions anymore because that was very expensive. Um, so, probably enough money left over to help balance it. <laughs> um, now, all joking aside. You know, as my opinion on it is, you know, that's pretty granular to, you know, I mean, being aware of the pilot, yes, sure. Um, obviously knowing what grade levels, cool, you know, but once they've got their plan fleshed out, uh, I'd much rather hear the plan 
what the process was to get to the plan and yeah, what the cost is gonna be, of course, um, and what the outcomes are gonna be, right? And what the implementation is gonna be, how much retooling of teachers and how we're gonna pay for that, right? And we're gonna do it over the summer. Um, what's the impact on shifting all the grade levels, you know, that are needed. So I'm more worried about less about um, micromanaging the process of getting there, but I want to know that there was a process. Um, I want to know what the process is going to solve because I had to do this in my own departments. So even as a department head, you know, you know, with 65 people and I had three different teams, you know, K to 12, you know, I couldn't actually know. I knew I knew reviews were going on and I would get periodic updates, but as far as going up to the superintendent, uh, he just wanted to know that it was happening, you know, and why we were doing it and then making sure the principals were on board because the principals are the ones that, you know, run the building and making sure that they're up to speed on, you know, what we're doing and why we're doing it. So. So I just I just also just want to make it clear. I'm not trying to be argumentative on this when I as a communications person, the most effective communication is proactive. So. Sure. When you have something like a pilot, a big pilot that's going to affect a lot of people, it's going to affect teachers, it's going to affect the kids who are using it, you know, it's going to affect the budget, it's, you know, or you have, you know, the the um, band book thing comes up every year. It's just a good idea to kind of try and anticipate these things, be proactive with communication, try and think about what are the questions or the concerns or the information that people may be asking about. And, and just try and get ahead of it a little bit. As from a communication standpoint, it's less about it's less about the tactics and it's more about the strategy of thinking ahead to what people's questions are gonna be in advance. That's the reason I bring this up. It's not to be argumentative. It's just that all of a sudden you're hearing about all these math pilots and I just have, I have the reference point of hearing what the teachers would had said in the past. So it just brought up a lot of questions for me. Like I just, I just think it would be helpful to know in advance before these things get rolled out. And not a lot of detail, just you know, ten bullet, you know, five bullet points. You know, here's when it's going to start. Who's going to be involved? Here's our criteria. You know, whatever. That's all. Yeah, I did. Um, I was just looking at some of my notes, and it, this goes back a while. So it, 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 it's not unusual. I just see like in um, October. This would have been October 21. Math pilot ID two that we were piloting reveal and illustrative illustrative math um, illustrative, illustrative math. Yep, that's yeah, that's the one. Recommendations <laughs> to the committee to follow. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm just saying, I, I think it's not. Um, it, it's it's something that at least that they have typically at least that that will come up. I I would defer more to Leo and some of the areas like curriculum. I think some you know it's not necessarily my area of strength. And illustrative math um, was the one I was thinking of actually. Yeah, like large. Yeah, and actually, remember being pleased that they were looking at that because I we implemented it in one of my schools. Yeah, procedurally though, you know, I, I think in general, Dr. Marsden does know if there's something that's going to have real impact across the schools or you know the, the staff it, it it does come forward um and and but i i'm not i don't know enough about the extent of this pilot um you know it, it's not that unusual that you hear about it the year before this is something we're going to go a year later i don't think that's exactly the the same one i'm just saying that you know there was discussion then about a math pilot that you know like i think we will hear here here and there well, I also think too, just just uh, just one last point is that because we haven't had a presentation on MCAS results to look at the math, the actual math assessment, and to say, well, we're doing this pilot because 
we're seeing that maybe we might be able to close the gap in X, Y, and Z. You know, we don't have that basis. We don't have that the MCAS sort of presentation that we usually get to sort of have a better understanding of what this curriculum may be able to help with. You know, yeah, that's I, think, I think there's other. I mean, the MCAS there is some other. Like we're getting back to normalcy yeah. post pandemic. We've had it. We've always had a presentation. Yeah, I, I'd rather not talk about MCAS as a as a barometer. I much. I, I asked. She gave us presentation of the benchmark assessments, and that's much better. Yeah. Well, I care about learning, <laughs> so well, you know. And, and MCAS doesn't reflect. on those? Where's the presentation on where we what on our assessments? I, we definitely. I, I, don't I, care. I asked one. I got one in the fall. I'm pretty sure. So I asked one. Uh, and they did it, and we got this year's coming, right? So we're only in end of the second quarter, so it's coming up. You need at least two to measure growth, right, each year. So they did our, I think it's STAR. I think we're using STAR here, um, which is a Renaissance product. So, and um, as long as it's something, you know, to measure progress. And more importantly, it's not just measure progress, it's to capture the, capture the ones in need. Uh, you know, the one you know, to make sure that we catch folks up or provide support that's needed. And that's what those benchmark assessments are for. So, and if it's systemic, right, if you see a large dip across everybody, then you know it's a, it's a focus area. So, um, and that's why we hire the professionals to do that. So, does anybody else on the call have any idea, uh, any comments or thoughts on this particular subject around math pilots? No one wants to. No one wants to cross cross subject lines. But I think it's also you know it's um, we, we we hear you. I, I think we are trying to move in a direction. Chris, you've, you've seen it at least. You know, site council makes sure it has the voice that it needs to have. Um, you know, we, we, by by bringing them into our meetings, trying to be more um, structured where we are looking at their improvement plans. We do plan on you know asking them to come back to school committee. Um, you know, I, I'm just saying that some of those we at least do have that forum. The fact that you, you know, you were came to the meeting, you heard about it, that gave you the opportunity to then reach out to Dr. Powers. Like, I, I think those are at least it's a starting point. Right? I'm not um, patting ourselves on the back and saying we're doing great. I'm saying at least we we it, it did give you a, all right. I'm good. I'm glad we're, we're aware. We have to. You know, I just don't know enough about that pilot. It's it's worth saying. Okay, what's the extent of it? You know, which we can we can look into. And I think we've been. I'm not sure if there's any other. Yeah, is anybody in the audience? There's some people in here. There's some people added again. If you just came and you want to talk, uh, you're welcome to join. I'll promote you all as a uh, panelist, or if you'd like to ask a question. Anyone? Uh, I can uh, ask to promote you too. You can always decline if you want to. Yeah, I don't, I don't see anyone raising hands. So. Yeah, I'll, just, I'll try it one more time and see if people want to. People may have walked away too. So no one, no one knew. Anything else that wasn't part of the? I mean, I think it was good. Uh, good to have.
the questions on that, but it's not limited to the questions, of course. Quick question too on this. Did you guys, did everyone get the email? I mean, the link to this just from my email tonight? Or was it posted somewhere? Yes, I got an email like right before it started and used that. Okay. Use that link. That was super helpful. Because it was also somewhere else. Was it in the response? I forget. It was, was in the say, it was in the patch article too. Yeah, it's been places, but I just used the email you sent that was helpful. So I didn't have to dig for it. Okay. As I was like trying to finish dinner dishes and log in quickly. Totally get it. I'm just curious for you know if you or for future sessions how people really got it. Because uh, um, I I just assumed it was in the response, but turning when you set up, I sent it out because Kaylin sent an email uh, looking for it, and I said, well maybe everybody didn't get it, so that's why I sent it out. So okay, well if no one has anything else, anything. Thanks for doing this. Seriously, I'm glad you guys did it. It's great. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good um, to have some good topics. I, I definitely walked away with notes on each one of the topics. Yeah, it's helpful to hear it um, in a forum that you can just talk a little more to understand it, which we did, and um, it was worthwhile. Like I think I think we're trying to do a few of these, and I think it, you know, to me, uh, we should. We wanted to do at least one personal one the Zoom, maybe you know. Maybe there'll be two more before the year, one or two before the year's out. Um, this is one that Michelle has driven a little more of than, uh, than us. But yeah, I think th thank you folks for joining and uh, you know appreciate the input. It definitely helps. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Thank you.